Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Jellyvision Tech Podcast. I'm Nana, and I have Dave with me as usual. Today, we have Zach and Alex returning、uh, for another discussion about tech debt. We wanted to talk about tech debt again, but it's been a year, and this is the Jellyvision Tech Podcast's most popular episode. So, we wanted to Talk about how far we've come since one year ago. So, last time we, we covered the definition of tech debt. We'll see if that's changed this time. We talked about ways to address tech debt. We talked a lot about refactoring, some of the metrics we have in place to measure it, testing, a lot about testing, and documentation, maintaining our knowledge base. So, here again, Welcome, Alex and Zach. I'm stoked to have you one year later. So, let's can we do another round of introductions starting with Alex? Hello, I'm Alex Bugash. I'm the director of architecture here at、uh, Jellyvision.、Uh, I've been with Jellyvision for,、um, I guess, about six years, well, five and a half, six years now, something like that. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, I think about tech debt all the time. Zach? Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Dave. Hi. Yeah, my name is Zach Kerr. I've been at Jellyvision for about five years. I'm a staff engineer here at Jellyvision,、um, and I have the role of solutions architect. I'm on our platform team,、uh, which deals with really our core services and integration. Yeah, I deal with tech tech debt every day.、Uh, you know, I think as a staff engineer, I'm, I'm seeing the, the code level sort of tech debt, and as a solutions architect, seeing, seeing maybe different versions of technical debt at the architecture level. So, really excited to be here. Really excited to have you. So, I want to start with a fresh definition of tech debt. Are we looking at it differently from last year at all? I think, you know, when I, when I look back and how we defined it before, we said it was, or I said it was technical decisions that intentionally or not have introduced some level of complexity that make development on projects slower.、Uh, and I think that was a very broad definition.、Uh, but I think in my new role, I don't necessarily just view it as. At the code level anymore. I also view it as you know, architectural decisions that we're making that can introduce levels of complexity and、uh, can make things slower. I did not review what, what I said the last time, un- unfortunately. But the thing that I've started focusing more on with, with tech debt and thinking about more with tech debt is. How it interrelates with what has been there, what, what you know, historic decisions that, that, that were made, and how long it, the, it has actually been there. One of the challenges that, that we've, we've faced when we've, we've looked at work and we've tried to categorize you know, you know, if we're work, you know, doing work to alleviate tech debt is the code that we are, is the thing that we are, we are saying.、Um, That we made a trade off on you know, in the past, 
truly a trade-off we made we made we, we made in the past there's almost a, a i'm almost com coming to a a a thought of does technical debt have a shelf life like past a certain point does does something that we would consider to be technical debt so as in you know in in the definition that you just you just gave Zach of you know a deliberate decision that we've made to make a trade off of additional complexity or additional effort needed to to accomplish something for uh, you know to you know rein in a deadline or, or or something like that in either code or architecture but if we live with it for you know for a long enough period of time does it just become a you know stop being debt and just being a part of the system design it's interesting i've never thought of it like that but i guess you know at some point you know if 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 you're not talking about it much anymore you know i, I is it really technical debt you know i i feel i feel like there's some something to be said about how frequently something a team or a person considers technical that comes up on a daily basis or a monthly basis. And at some point we recognize that this is just the way the system behaves. This is just how it needed to behave. And it's, it's no longer debt. It's something we support. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, looking at it through the, like the, you know, the team view of, uh, um, um, you know, making changes to the system, you know, we can, if a change, you know, costs, you know, five story points worth of, worth of effort, you know, each time we make it, but we couldn't, you know, we could do some, you know, we know that each time we do that, it's, you know, it's ongoing tech debt, you know, uh, accumulation, we could remediate it and, you know, and make it a, you know, a two point effort going forward. Um, but then, you know, we stop making changes to that system or we stop, we stop making that sort of change you know, when you come back to that system two years later, is that still tech debt? Or is that, you know, again, you know, just the, just the system as it is and, you know, and, you know, whatever things that we do to, to remediate that or to, um, you know, improve the system away from that, that old pattern, is that like handling the tech debt or is that just you know, refactoring the system for, for, you know, as an improvement. That's a pretty fascinating idea because at a certain point, if you keep piling on a decision that you make, the, yeah, remediating it, it is rewriting it because <laughs> uh, you've committed to, to the system being that way. So that, that's a fascinating idea, Alex. I can, you know, come back to that, just that initial point of, you know, has, you know, has the definition changed? What is the definition for tech debt? And, you know, I think somewhat, yes. And I think the point that's become, you know, much more, more important for, for us organizationally is the, is the focus on the, is this a deliberate choice? You know, we're going to talk more, you know, in more detail about you know, what we've done in the past year, but what exists now that didn't exist before is the the tools and the mechanisms for making that deliberate choice and for documenting that deliberate choice in a way that you know other people in the future will be able to understand absolutely 
I would like to kind of highlight for me that while I don't think any of us in this room were confused about maintenance versus tech debt, I think as an organization, we have finally made a delineation between those because we have to tackle maintenance and tech debt differently. Like we can't just lump maintenance into a tech debt bucket. So as far as our organization, we, I think there's a lot more visibility into tech debt versus maintenance. There's more organizational buy-in. I think that, uh, our product teams are now on board with maintenance needing to be ongoing and tech debt there. We have some room, like a lot more room to address it. So that's one highlight for me. Has that been the experience for you all? Yeah, I, I think we've done a great job being able to recategorize or just categorize the work we do into that maintenance or tech debt bucket. I think there are still times when looking at certain things we need to do, that delineation becomes a little difficult, but we've done a good job at least being able to carve out categories, the, the category of work being tech debt and work on it. I know just on the platform side, we give ourselves a budget. We say, you know, 20% of our time can be done working on tech debt. Maintenance is just something we need to do. Tech debt is typically something else. Uh, and we're giving ourselves time to work on it. And I think it's not just something that the developers throw around to say, hey, this is tech debt. We need to work on it. I think we've done also done a better job uh, looping in the rest of the organization, you know, the, especially on the product side and saying, Hey, this is, this is something that we need to do. There's a, there's a tangible benefit to trying to pay down some of this technical debt. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's, we've come a long way. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We've definitely made some significant improvements in, in terms of like being able to communicate about it in terms of, you know, in terms of being able to share what, what are those benefits and, and have deliberate conversations with the, like the product organization about what doing the tech debt, you know, style work, you know, gets for, for us. Maintenance becoming something that became, you know, would became a really big topic over the, over the past year. And the investment we made there has been been incredibly important in terms of basically being able to start to you know have a, some more of an understanding of the of the tech debt, um, but then also just being able to you know understand what it takes to to run our our systems. The one thing to to um, I guess I would I would say is. You know, when when we're talking about maintenance now, we're we're talking you know about a much a pretty narrow set of of things that are you know required to keep our systems you know running. You know, some of that's like the you know the, the just some mechan you know some of the more mechanical work of like 
updating certain you know values that change year over year due to, due to laws or um, updating certificates. Other other things are the you know the the tasks that fall more into you know meeting our compliance needs like the security and uh, you know just software updates for keeping the system you know compliant within our, our policies and then you know compliant within the realm of of frameworks like SOC two. Tech debt sits outside of that and before we you know made these you know kind of started to make these definitions and and have that clear delineation of you know how we want to spend our time there was definitely a i think an external perception of maintenance and tech debt are are the same thing you know they're both typically you know tech driven um driven work but the the needs for them are are different um, and the outcomes for them are, are, are pretty different in, in terms of you know why you do maintenance and why you you remediate tech debt yeah I you know this question around maintenance versus tech debt and how you were describing this focus in the past year we've had on on doing maintenance you know upgrading all of our dependencies on our projects it really made me realize how while separate interrelated maintenance and tech debt are, I think by doing a lot of this maintenance, by going through maybe some of these older projects that have tech debt, doing this maintenance really makes you realize how much technical debt a project has, right? Certain maintenance items that a team might think easy, such as updating dependencies, turns into a week's or multi-week's worth of work because it takes a day to spin up the project or different things like that. And I think in many ways doing maintenance work just amplifies the amount of technical debt that could be in a project. And what do you mean by that? Like by, by amplifies, you mean increases or, or decreases? I guess not amplifies is perhaps the wrong word. I think doing doing the maintenance work just highlights how much technical debt a project has. You know, if you have a very robust CI/CD pipeline, you have good test coverage, upgrading a dependency is something you don't even think about or something you can automate completely, like we've seen with some teams. Um, and that's usually a good indicator uh, that, you know, at least in that area, there isn't a whole lot of technical debt. Uh, but if that is a very laborious, you know, thing to do, upgrading dependency, um, just something like upgrading dependencies, and it takes you a long time, then it could it could be an indication that of technical debt in a project. Yeah, I agree, and I I mean I think, but I think what's been interesting is I think we've we've made a choice to change some of that definition. Like I would say. A project that hasn't been maintained for a long time, where its you know its dependencies are are out of date, all of that probably suffers from tech debt. But I wouldn't categorize the, the lack of investment in in the maintenance of that system as technical debt. I, I think there's a there's an implication in my mind of like the the lack of maintenance seems to end results in you know kind of large quantities of of work that's 
dedicated to remediating it for you know for whatever the the need is whereas the the technical debt shows itself more in that it becomes a you know a incremental multiplier on you know all the work that ends up you know needing to be done and and you know on that project or in that portion of the code base you know instead of instead of you know making the change taking an hour it takes 2 hours or or something like that as the as the technical debt yeah, I think what I'm taking away from the the interrelation between tech debt and and maintenance is that when you're trying to upgrade a system and it's noticeably more difficult than it should be, that's probably an indication of tech debt. Whereas the other way around, not necessarily. Like you can have tech debt but be on be on the most recent version of every one of your dependencies so does that does that sound right yeah i I would definitely agree with that i don't think you know the ease of working in a project is necessarily you know silver bullet that says oh there's no technical debt in this project because the work we do is so different depending on you know, what we're doing. I think um, there's different types of maintenance and yeah, just because it's, it's easy doesn't mean that there's an absence of tech debt. Yeah. I would definitely agree with you there. So another thing I feel like has improved across the organization is just making our metrics more visible and having those metrics to begin with. Are there, are there any that have stuck out for you that have been helpful? The big push, you know, since we last talked, you know, has been making sure that we have the those the Dora metrics available for you know our you know various teams and our various projects, and those metrics do not necessarily you know directly indicate you know the the tech debtedness of a of a of a team or of a pro- or, or of a project, but they are a, a good general measure of system, you know, system health effectively, or you know, team health. So, I would in, I would anticipate that you know one of the important you know Dora metrics. I'll, the important one when when I'm thinking about tech debt is is probably lead time for changes. So you know talking about you know how much how long it takes to to make a change to the system and you know if we're I would anticipate that a system where we we are you know consciously assuming a large amount of tech debt would see that metric you know go down over time and that'd be the probably the key one I'd be I'd be looking at for you know trying to measure you know difficulty of working on a system and just for our listeners, so the, the four key metrics we're looking at, so lead time for changes, that is from when the ticket is first written or it's starting to be worked on. What is the beginning of the lead time for the change? There are a number of definitions in this world. So <laughs> the this one that I'm looking at right now are the time of commit and the time of deployment. So basically from the point I would guess that's you know effectively measuring from the point when we pick up the ticket to the point where we it's deployed and on production. 
So, and, you know, for the, the Dora on the Dora, you know, table, you know, elite performance performers have, you know, less than one day for that and high performance between one day and one week and medium between one week and one month and then low between one month and six months. So, you know, imagining, you know, systems where you only deploy, you know, once every six months. This goes hand in hand, you know, this, this sort of metric goes hand in hand with, you know, deploy frequency. So, which is another Dora metric. It speaks to, I think, you know, kind of two, two aspects of, you know, are, you know, how are we breaking up the work? Are we breaking it up into small enough chunks that we can deploy them independently and, you know, somebody can work them through in, you know, a day or so. And then the state of our, our, um, development or, um, deployment pipelines, you know, how can we deploy multiple times a day? Can we, you know, deploy on, on, you know, are our tests robust enough that we can, uh, automate that process? Yeah, uh, just on my team alone, I think what we've seen is that these metrics have given us a way to actually, you know, prove that a change we're making is improving something. I think it's it, it's a it's a great discussion piece. And instead of you know technical debt just being some something we say and something a feeling we have about the code base, we can actually say that you know this this ticket took on average much longer than some of the other work we're doing, or just generally on average, you know our lead change time uh, or change lead time, I should say, uh, is, you know, five days. And so, you know, when we, as a team, take a step back, look at our metrics, we're able to have real hard numbers to point to, to be like, hmm, that's taking a while. How can we, what are some changes we can make to make that better? And generally what we're talking about is making changes to the system that aren't necessarily you know maintenance or new features it, it in a way is usually paying down technical debt right um, just as a concrete example you know we were spending a lot of time after a change was merged actually getting that deployed to production actually being able to close the ticket and call that done and you know, one of the suggestions at our retrospective was, okay, well, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of changes just hang out on, you know, these, these release branches, right? What would happen if we switched to trunk-based development? And so we implemented that change, you know, tested our hypothesis, and sure enough, we'll come back a week or two later, and we see that the metrics have have shifted in a very positive way. So I think metrics have been really, the metrics we've been able to collect in the past year have been a really great way for us to talk about technical debt as well. That's awesome. Do you feel like trunk-based development, being able to have moved to trunk-based development was an indication of a lack of tech debt in a way, or did you feel like the branching strategy itself was tech debt? I think, I think the brand in, in some ways, the branching strategy itself was technical debt and maybe not even technical debt. It was just 
human process we put on ourselves and that you know sort of created that that technical debt if that makes sense right because it's you know the branching strategy that's that's just the technical concept in and of itself um but i think what we discovered was we didn't we didn't need to put these technical constraints on ourselves once we really did, talked about it and said we don't we don't need this we're not using this we're not using this branching strategy it's getting in our way let's get rid of it you know i think we did choose to to look at it like technical debt yeah so you were on um getflow right yeah i think we were using getflow maybe yeah. even a modified version of getflow but yeah generally yeah i think and i think i think that it you know is somewhat representative of some form of it's definitely process debt if it's not if not tech debt if especially if you weren't reaping any benefit from like those release branches and treating them like you know long long lived branches where you apply you know patches and things you're just running if you're just running the latest version all the time then then it adds a lot of complication for not a lot of gain yeah and i i think that's exactly what we saw you know we weren't making changes on these branches we were we were quite literally creating branches for the sake of creating branches right just because that's what gitflow said you should be doing rather than actually you know using you know a release branch to test something we realized our flow was okay well we do all of our testing up front we do all of our testing when the mr or the merge request is made when we merge something why do we have to merge it into three other places to get it to production because that's you know probably what we do 99% of the time after we merge a change we want to get it to production and so yeah it was uh something we could entirely cut out and we switched to chunk based development and i think just in the month of november i wish i had the numbers right in front of me i think we did over 30 deploys and i think uh, you know one day the team realized that we did three deploys in one day and you know someone on the team was like that that would have taken us 3 weeks you know 1 year ago so i mean yeah these metrics have really been a boon and <laughs> in, in the sense of how we look at you know technical debt and and can justify you know paying down tech debt we can point to these metrics and be like hey we made this change and we're actually improving and i, I mean i think that's actually an interesting example because um that is expanding the definition of a uh, you know of tech debt a little bit you know to you know encompass the the team processes yeah you're right a year ago i may not have thought you know tech debt included some of those things you know i think uh, you know i really thought of it as very very code centric Uh, but yeah it, it it really is taking a look at some of those people processes and I, and i think it, yeah it it comes back to how much important we've placed on our ci cd pipelines and really shoring those up and i think fixing those and doing this maintenance 
has maybe highlighted some of those, you know, people process, people processes that might have some deficiencies. Yeah, one thing that's striking me, um, going back to trunk-based development for a second, I am guessing that you trusted your CI/CD pipeline enough, like with test coverage, et cetera, that you could move to trunk-based development and, and make more frequent merges. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the important things to keep in mind when you're considering switching to trunk-based development. And I think part of that confidence came from the fact that we've in the past year we've we've set all of these standards for our teams for well really for the tech organization we've improved our uh, standards as defined you know for our like gold star pro, you know our, our gold star process so you know team to to be gold star has to meet you know so many thresholds or at least like the first threshold in several different areas which includes uh testing you know having regression tests having automated tests in general having a certain percentage of test coverage in your project and so we really we probably would have been having a very different conversation if that weren't the case yeah, I know we talked a lot about testing last time. Basically, the lack of tests being a form of tech debt, maybe indicating that things are hard to test, you know? So it doesn't sound like that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for it, a lot of things come back to, you know, to, to that, you know, that point of, you know, if, if we test sufficiently, changes should be easy and they should be fast. So kind of, to me, it, it totally tracks that those investments, you know, enable, like the investments in the testing side suddenly enable, you know, enable speed, enable agility, and then, you know, enable the ability to, you know, also then prioritize solving other technical debt issues, you know, within the, within the code base and maintenance issues and general refactoring. So given everything that we've talked about with metrics and just visibility, more visibility into the state of tech debt, is there actually a way we could quantify it? Like we, we've talked about how there's indicators, but is there a way to quantify tech debt itself? Um, so I think this goes, goes back into, um, the initial my the, my initial soliloquy on tech debt should be a like when we're really talking about tech debt tech debt should be a deliberate decision tech debt should not be necessarily be architecture decisions we made years ago that we disagree with now so which I think we you know sometimes we have lumped the you know we've lumped tech debt into that into that category so an, an example i would give is when you look at how we we originally architected the um benefits counselor backend system the alex api system we architected it with a with an eye towards enabling 
many, many conversations that, that many, many products that reflect, you know, what Benefits Counselor does today. So lots of, lots of these like conversation products and the system, we, the system actually could, could actually do that fairly well, like in, in its initial design and architecture and everything else. But the business didn't, didn't end up going that way. You know, the business settled in on Benefits Counselor as a, as a core product. We invested heavily into it. We, those that, um, all of those other alternative, you know, conversation products never, never came into being. Now it's, you know, it's years later. It's, you know, th those decisions were made, you know, seven years ago, um, probably at this point, eight years ago at this point. I think if you asked me a year ago or two years ago, I would have said, yeah, the architecture of that system is, is tech debt, but it, but it really isn't. It's just architecture that is old and I don't, you know, I, it, it doesn't fit the business that we, we, we have now, but it fit the business that we had then. So I don't think I would, you know, I think that there's a, there's a desire to call those, you know, those sorts of, um, you know, architecture issues or, you know, kind of technology issues, tech debt, but it, they really, we made them deliberately with, you know, with the best knowledge that we had at the, at the time to, to enable a future and we were just wrong. I think in that way, tech debt is, is really difficult to quantify because what we're saying is that over time, it may not really be something that is technical debt. And so quantifying it becomes really, really difficult. And I, I think, I think it's, it's a continuous thing. I, I, I don't think, you know, something you call tech debt today may necessarily be tech debt tomorrow. But I've, I've seen different ways that, I mean, I think I've seen one particular way of measuring tech debt or one idea, I should say, you know, I've seen surveys, right? Um, and the term is a net promoter score, get, you know, sending out a survey and giving a project a net promoter score in terms of developer experience. It's a very specific thing, but you're at least then able to get some graphs, some type of number and apply that to a project. That's pretty micro level. You know, it's, it's not talking about a whole system. It's talking about a project, but it's, there might be something there in terms of, you know, giving some sort of score around, you know, the developer experience. But again, it's, it's something that you have to, you know, test for and measure continuously. You know, a JIRA ticket I create today that says, you know, refactor this method. We might look at it a year from now and be like, oh, that's not technical debt anymore. That's a real feature or that method no longer exists. So yeah, in that way, I don't know. It's, it's very difficult to quantify tech debt. It's, uh, but if we're, if we're trying to, it has to be a continuous thing that we do over time. Yeah, when Nana and I were uh, brainstorming about how to do this, I'll just throw some stuff out and you, you tell me if, if they sound appropriate. Measuring effort around how many S-bars are being written, ADRs, deployment pains, I think that actually does dovetail nicely with the net promoter scores, Zach. 
and then finally uh, using a code quality scanning tool in our pipeline. Um, I think all, all of those are, are important things to track. I don't know if any of the, them necessarily fully capture the tech debtedness of a project or the, you know the the actual like if that does put it to a number like because like you know a net promoter score can could you know end up just being low you know because that system's php um or pearl and you know and you have a you know teams that don't don't enjoy working with it even if the system is perfectly engineered and then the the deployment you know things like along the deployment lines um maybe I would I would actually even get I would guess that a lot of that would you know there would be a lot of um, interrelatedness of those those numbers systems that are are easy to deploy are probably going to have you know easy to change are going to be higher more enjoyable to work with the effort indicators is I think a, is a, is I think a like a, an interesting one to would be an interesting one to look at one of the difficult problems I think you know for for us as an industry is is measuring you know, measuring developer output. So I think that's a, that's a really difficult thing to put into a, like a, like an objective measure. We, we've seen some, some really bad ways of doing it as a, as of late with, um, with all of the Twitter drama. Um, so, you know, everybody please print out your, your last 60 days of code. The Leon first thing be... I thought of, Alex, <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of as well. Like, what do you mean? It's as simple as the number of lines of code code you've you've written for the past sixty days. Exactly, and you know, it's if you look at the at you know, if we look at you know what even an aggregate what a team has worked on over the over the past you know time period, you could be pushing the same number of story points. You could be pushing the same number of 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 commits, but you know, if you've been you know making poor uh choices in terms of you know you know what we would we would measure as you know what we, we would describe as tech debt i guess that would only come out that would actually probably you know the the closest metric that that would come out in is in is zoomed out one one further level of the you know feature delivery you know if, if feature delivery starts to slow down and that's what probably what matters to the business the most i like what zach alluded to earlier about how the tech debt people care about is tech debt today. So it's very much a point in time. And that, like you mentioned, what was previously tech debt could now be a feature. So in a way, it's quite subjective. Yeah. So I found that super interesting. As far as strategies for preventing tech debt today, I know a year ago we talked about some general ways like making sure to refactor code iteratively is there anything that you've observed that the teams have done effectively in the past year based on what we talked about last time? I can just jump in and say the investment in in maintenance for like dependencies, securities, you know, vulnerabilities, all the all those things. And then the improving the, you know, the, the deploy frequency, the Dora metrics, I think. So, you know, well well maintained, you know, easy to work on systems are going to, you know, inherently have less tech debt. Yeah, I know a number of teams, including platform, have put a lot of time and a lot of thought into the decisions we make, you know, on a daily, weekly, even monthly basis. 
in the forms of S bars. And just for our listeners, that's a document where you fill out the situation, background, and assessment that includes options, and then a recommendation with the goal that, you know, you're reaching an approval of the recommendation. But laying out all the information like this, highlighting options or the lack of options uh, is one way I've seen us, you know, is one way to prevent technical debt. And I think it has helped us prevent technical debt and just making sure that the decisions we're making are good ones. And it's not just a decision that an individual is making. We're collecting uh, feedback from stakeholders. Uh, we're consulting with other experts at the company. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's peer reviewed. And I think that has, has done a lot uh, in terms of preventing uh, technical debt from popping up on just a day-to-day basis. But I think it's, it's going to help us in the long term as well. S-bars are awesome. I would actually love to do an episode on them. Uh, but for me, the eye-opening thing was if someone is proposing uh, a new architecture decision, it's the onus is on them to say the rationale and come up with other options. That to me was, was mind-opening because oftentimes people will say, here's what we're doing and why, but not necessarily document, convince people, get other people's feedback in a systematic way. Um, another, another document that the, at least our team put together, uh, we created a strategy and vision document, basically laying out where we want everything to go. So it, it was more about the destination, not necessarily saying how, and it gives us a guide for moving towards the end goal iteratively as we go instead of like all right we're going to tackle a giant project it's going to take six months it's like well why can't we start implementing it now so zach has the platform team done anything like that yeah i i I think you know the, the maybe the first iteration of that is it was a separate document you know we have you know our security our, our SAD document, our security and uh, architecture design document, which was really meant to lay out what the system looks like today um, and where we're going. But I think we do have a separate document now, like what you're describing. It's a strategy document. It's like, where do we see ourselves in three years or five years? Where do we want to be? in three years or five years what is what is the arc what will the how do we see the architecture looking at that point in time you know what systems are talking to the platform i think that's important especially for the platform team to have defined and to to start publishing for other teams because when we think of the platform it's in many ways the center of our tech universe at Jellyvision, or at least that's where we want it to be. And that's what we should be 
uh, preaching and and talking about with other teams. It's important for other teams to see how we position ourselves, you know, among the other parts of our system. How how are other, how do we envision other products using the platform? How do we view tools as being integral in making that work? Or third parties, you know, such as integrate all of the integrations we do. But yeah, we are we are starting to develop a, a very similar document that I'm, I'm glad you mentioned. I need to come back to that one. Yeah, I actually want to give huge props to Alex for making the first ever iteration of the strategy and vision document. I know he made one earlier this year, and that was oriented towards the entire tech org. And that led to the different departments in tech, like platform and tools and products, to be able to begin our own iterations based off of it. So, yeah. Kudos to Alex for starting this amazing process. That's been super helpful. Thanks, Donna. Yeah, that's that's that was the 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 goal is to start to create that cycle of you know having a a org level vision, uh, and then ha you know having the individual um, you know macro teams react to that and and create their their version and it'll should be a happy cycle we'll see we'll see what the next version of the the overall org strategy looks like and you know in response to the the ones produced by the products tools platform yeah i'm excited props to alex to creating a lot of the templates i use on a day-to-day -day basis alex i don't know if it was you that created the sbar template or at least created the template on Confluence, but I feel like I use just a lot of your documents in general, including the strategy document template for what I put together. So I didn't create the, the SBAR template specifically. I think that was that was a bill back in the day. That's right. It it's it was a great innovation and I'm glad we've been able to to kind of take that and, and use it so much. There are hundreds of SBARs at this point. From where where I'm sitting, at least in the in the org these days, I, I think it's been it's been super great and super helpful. Uh, just being able to see the you know have them as a as a touch point for getting different teams in the same room and and talking about the you know talking about the about topics and using the using the same words and you know just kind of driving towards solutions faster. And I think Zach, you you've been the most prolific creator of S bars and it's it's been like I feel like super helpful for for everyone in getting that understanding of, you know, what's what's on deck, what's platform working on, how how is how are things uh you know, what are we building and and why? Um so it's good stuff. Thank you. I'm 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 glad to hear that because I I know some of the S bars we or I put together can be very large and packed with information. So I'm glad to hear they're not overwhelming but more helpful. So I'm wondering are there any specific strategies that your teams have taken on 
recently to pay down tech debt. I know we talked about like leaving 20% of your velocity for it, but anything, any, anything strategy-wise to actually pay down some of the existing tech debt? Not to sound like a broken record, I, I think, you know, when, when the situations come up where we say this, this feels like tech debt, you know, on, on, on top of making sure we leave room to tackle it, that's, that's just part of the strategy. But it, it, for us, it really comes back to the SBAR process. Uh, and, you know, I'm not even talking about, you know, the, the, SBARs that deal with like introducing new architecture or how do we implement this new feature? I think to make sure not only the team, but the rest of the organization understands, you know, what we're technical debt we're trying to pay down. We try to describe that as a situation, right? Part, part of that template is that you, can explain the situation in 10 seconds or less. And I think that is a great strategy to keep in mind when you're thinking about technical debt, to keep you know, the, the things you wanna fix, the things you wanna change, the debt you wanna pay down as easy to quantify as possible and to keep it into, you know, and to keep it as small as possible so you can actually iterate on fixing it faster. And so for me, that's, that's a big part of the strategy and hand in hand in that, with that, you know, you might be thinking, well, an S bar doesn't make sense for technical debt. You know, either you're going to pay down the debt or not, but I think there's always an option to not pay down technical debt. And I think that template is a great way um, or I guess a strategy really to describe the option of not working on this technical debt. You know, what are the pros and cons of not doing this? You know, what are the risks that we have by not doing this? So that's one strategy I, I, that comes to mind when it comes to, you know, how the platform thinks about technical debt. Alex, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I, I guess again, I'm not a, not as involved on the on at least on the on the day-to-day -day fighting of the of the technical debt from uh again, I guess from from where where I sit, you know, the easiest way to to of you know to handle the the technical debt is to avoid accumulating it in the first place. So the addition, you know, the additions of doing things like the S bars to having these. Um, architecture vision documents, you know, in place at the org and at the, at the, um, the team levels is very helpful for us in being able to just choose not to go down paths that are going to put us in the position where we're going to accumulate technical debt. So, you know, choosing to do a more, a, a simpler solution upfront or starting to make you know take you know pick up uh, uh assume a vision or su assume a stance that's moving away from some of the more knotted portions of the of the architecture where we say no that's not the long-term term term solution we know we, where we want to go 
you know helps to resolve the that um, that debt. I mean, the easiest debt to to you know pay off, I'm, I would guess, is the debt that we just don't pay by you know removing you know deprecating systems and and things like that. That's my favorite way of addressing technical debt. Just highlight all, delete. <laughs> removing code is great, but removing whole systems is even greater. If only it worked for for when you work with the bank. Just just delete that loan. It's fine. Just just delete the loan. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> um, well, I think we've talked about a lot more strategies and more concrete ways to approach tech debt this time around. I'm in particular feeling a lot more optimistic about where we are as a company regarding our tech debt than we were one year ago. Do you all have any general feelings about where we are today and also what it would look like one year down the road? I think the thing I look forward to the most in the next year in terms of, you know, something that I see as another strategy to address technical debt, going back to something Alex said is, you know, you know, the, the, the best way to avoid technical debt is just don't implement it in the first place. And I think our new standards process is something I look forward to to in the next year. I think the standards process and more standards being developed and documented, but more importantly, more teams adopting those standards is gonna give us a good way, a good way to measure potentially uh, technical debt in the future, right? I would hope that by adopting these standards, by Number one, documenting new standards and teams adopting the uh, adopting those standards. Part of the standards process is having a way to measure that. So I look forward to that in the next year and seeing that, okay, well, more and more teams have adopted trunk-based development. Has that led to, you know, a decrease, change lead time? And do we credit any of that um, to paying down technical debt, so I look forward to that. Yeah, I think the standards are gonna are, are going to help uh, help a lot. I think the the other aspect of the standards that's going to to be helpful is utilizing them to better focus our skills investment. So we've you know even today you know have a, a fairly diverse set of technologies that we we manage across all of our systems and you know as we we think more about the standards and we we implement them we should see that we're you know we're building more more core skills with with rails and more core skills with you know react and that should contribute to assuming you know assuming less technical debt over time and you know and create a a, a, a Kind of a broader base of of understanding for how to remediate debt that we've we've accumulated that we've you know accumulated in multiple places so that that is exciting i think the other thing that'll that'll be 
interesting to see how it plays out and is is exciting is is also you know as we've thought about and, and managed the the categorization of tech debt versus maintenance you know as the organization's understanding of that becomes better i think that'll positively contribute to you know us being able to engineer the systems for 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 lower maintenance and for you know and that should you know in turn increase quality and in redu and reduce the the debt burden on the systems as well yeah i'm feeling very optimistic about that too increasing visibility and alignment across the organization as well as adopting standards so we're not choosing tools that won't have as much investment in later i am really excited about all of that well i had a jellytastic good time today for sure me too you can email us at techpodcast at jellyvision.com if you have any feedback or suggestions Thanks for listening and looking forward to the next one.